Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're going to begin a study in the book of Daniel. And Lord willing, we'll continue to study on Sundays uh, until we get to a point, because Daniel can be a very difficult book at times. If we reach a point uh, where there is a, a passage that's very difficult that I lack understanding in, then we'll go back to the book of Proverbs and study that for a while to give time to continue studying in the book of Daniel, if the Lord may open up understanding to us. And that's the reason that I think it would be good for us to study this book at this time, uh, considering that we're looking to God for further understanding concerning the time of the end. And the book of Daniel has a good deal of information that concerns the end of the world, the great tribulation, the end of all things. God again and again gave Daniel visions concerning the time of the end. But also, the book of Daniel reveals that God opened up the understanding of Daniel. And let's just look at that to begin with, and, and I think you'll see what I mean. For instance, in Daniel chapter 1, it says in verse 17, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And then look over in Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. Or, a little further on in the book of Daniel, in Daniel 8, it says in uh, verse 15, And it came to pass, when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision, and sought for the meaning, then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice, between the banks of Ulai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came I was afraid, and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. And then in verse 19, And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation? For at the time appointed, 
the end shall be. Or in Daniel chapter 9, in uh, verse 2, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, whereof the word of Jehovah came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel 9, verse 23, At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter, and consider the vision. Verse 25, Know therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks. And it continues in Daniel 10, verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Verse 14 of Daniel 10, Now I am come to make thee understand. What shall befall thy people in the latter days? For yet the vision is for many days. Or in Daniel 12, I'll read verses 9 and 10. He said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall understand. So we see throughout the entire book of Daniel, from the first chapter till the last chapter, chapter 12, one of the big emphases that God is emphasizing again and again is that Daniel is given understanding. Daniel is given dreams and and visions concerning the end of the world, and he does not understand them. Also, again and again, he uh, he lacks understanding. He lacked understanding of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He he didn't even know what the dream was, but he went to God and besought the Lord for understanding. And God gave him the dream and the interpretation of it. And, and and God would give him visions concerning the end of the world. And Daniel would admit that he did not understand, that no one understood. And then God would make him and cause him to understand. So when we put this all together and we see in our present situation that we lack understanding, and it's our desire to gain understanding, the book of Daniel seems to be uh, the right book for us to turn to at this time 
to investigate. But again, it's a very difficult book in some places, and God uses very mysterious language in some places in the book of Daniel because it's information that involves the end of the world. And and as we've learned, the end of the world is not a simple matter. It, it It's a very complex judgment program that God has been in, involved in unveiling to us for many years now. And yet, we're, we're going to embark on this endeavor. We're going to look into this book and trusting God that he will grant us understanding according to his will as we do so. You know, by God's grace, we do have some understanding of much of the material in in this book. So we uh, should be learning some things as we go along and and being reminded of other things at the same time. Well, let's turn to Daniel chapter 1, and we'll read the first couple of verses. Um, uh, by the way, the name Daniel means judge of God or judgment of God. And so it's very uh, aptly named as the book has much to say about God's judgment program. In Daniel 1, beginning in verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. All right, so here God is giving us the date that the book of Daniel is beginning to be written. And it's the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. And at that time, Nebuchadnezzar, came, who was the king of Babylon, to Jerusalem and besieged it. So the date would be connected to the reign of the king of Judah. So let's take a look at King Jehoiakim, and we read more about him in Second Kings chapter 23, Second Kings 23 beginning in verse 29. In his days, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went up against the king of Assyria to the river Euphrates, and King Josiah went against him, and he slew him at Megiddo when he had seen him, and his servants carried him in a chariot dead from Megiddo, and brought him to Jerusalem, and buried him in his own sepulchre, and the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in his father's stead. Now, we know that the timeline for King Josiah 
uh, is that he began to reign at the age of eight years old in 640 B.C., and he reigned 31 years until 609 B.C., and at the age of 39, Josiah died in battle with the Egyptians. And Josiah um, is a king that God relates to the end of the church age. He's the last good king of Judah. And then following, there will be four kings that will reign uh, from 609 through 587 B.C. And that's a 23-year period inclusive and then in 587, um, there will be no more kings and Jerusalem will be destroyed because that 23-year inclusive period typifies the Great Tribulation. Well, the first king that reigned after Josiah was Jehoahaz, his son. And then it says in verse 31, Jehoahaz was 20 and 3 years old when he began to reign. And and we can see God is emphasizing that number 23. As I just mentioned, from Josiah's death, the four kings will reign, all evil kings, and in a period that's 23 years inclusive. And the first king happens to be 23 years old when he begins to reign. And also... After these four kings reign, following Josiah, and then God ends the line of the kings, and and Nebuchadnezzar destroys Jerusalem, the, the last king, Zedekiah, happens to be the 23rd king of Judea. And that would count Saul and uh, King Saul, David and Solomon, who reigned over the united Israel and Judah. And and then for Judah, there was a series of 20 kings. Zedekiah would would be the, the 20th or the 23rd overall. And then the line of the kings came to a close. So we see the number 23 is very much in view, along with the number 13, with Josiah because he was 39 when he died, which is three times 13. The purpose of God that at the end of the world, um, in the 13,000th year of history, the church age will come to an end upon the death of Josiah, then a 23-year Great Tribulation period will unfold. And 1988 was the 13,000th year of Earth's history. 23 years from that point brought us to May 21, 2011. But I don't really want to get into that, except we can see it in these um, references to to the line of the kings. Okay, going back to 2 Kings 23, verse 31. Jehoahaz was 20 and 3 years old when he began to reign and he reigned three months in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna, and he did that which was evil 
in the sight of Jehovah according to all that his fathers had done. And Pharaoh Necho put him in bands at Riblah in the land of Hamath, that he might not reign in Jerusalem, and put the land to a tribute of a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king in the room of Josiah his father, and turned his name to Jehoiakim. The name Eliakim means God uh, raising, or God will raise, and it, uh, the Egyptian pharaoh, Necho, changed it to Jehoiakim, that means Jehovah will raise. Now, I, I don't understand why, or the, what would be the spiritual meaning of that, but uh, just to mention, we we do... Uh, see that his name was changed. And then it goes on to say, um, and turned his name to Jehoiakim and took Jehoahaz away and he came to Egypt and died there. So this is already after Josiah's death, the second king. The first king, Jehoahaz, only reigned three months in 609 B.C. Then Jehoiakim... Eliakim, whose name was turned to Jehoiakim, begins to reign. In verse 35, And Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land to give the money according to the commandment of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and the gold of the people of the land, of everyone according to his taxation, to give it unto Pharaoh Necho. Jehoiakim was twenty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zebedah, the daughter of Pedadiah of Rumah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Jehovah, according to all that his fathers had done. The second king after Josiah likewise is said to do evil. And uh, this is because it's typifying a church without the Spirit of God during the 23-year period of, of Great Tribulation. Uh, we know that God did leave the congregations and, and turn them over to Satan, just as the 23-year period from 609 to 587, God at first turns it over to Pharaoh, at, uh, he turns Ju- Judea over to Pharaoh, who is a figure of Satan. And then later, Nebuchadnezzar will, uh, will be the one that, uh, overcomes Judah. And he also is a figure of Satan. So the, um, the consistency is that both Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar are types and figures of Satan that rule over Judah. Judah is not independent. It does not have God as ruler uh, during this time because God has given them up. And as we know from elsewhere, the Lord calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant to accomplish the purpose of destroying Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, let's also go to Second Kings 24. And 
just to learn a little bit more about this period of time and and also the reign of the kings. It says in Second Kings 24, beginning in verse 5, Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his stead. Jehoiachin is also known as Jeconiah or Coniah, and he would be the third king since Josiah. It goes on to say in verse 7, And the king of Egypt came not again any more out of his land, for the king of Babylon had taken from the river of Egypt unto the river Euphrates all that pertain to the king of Egypt. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. And his mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem, and he did that which was evil in the sight of Jehovah according to all that his father had done. So this king, Jehoiachin, also reigns only three months. And that can't be coincidental that the first king reigned three months, followed by Jehoiakim, who is said to reign 11 years, followed by Jehoiachin, who reigns three months, and he is followed by Zedekiah. And how long does Zedekiah reign? 11 years. We, we can see a pattern. A king rules three months, followed by a king that rules 11 years. The second king rules three months, followed by the second king that rules 11 years. And uh, this is something I'm not sure why there's that pattern, but we can definitely see that God has established a pattern. The three months, the number three would point to the purpose of God. Um, but other than that, I'm, I'm not sure exactly why God uh, did it this way. In verse 15 of Second Kings 24, And he carried away Jehoiachin to Babylon, and the king's mother, and the king's wives, and his officers, and the mighty of the land, those carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. And all the men of might, and seven thousand, and craftsmen, and smiths of thousand, all that were strong and apt for war, even them the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon. And the king of Babylon made Mataniah, his father's brother king, in his stead, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was twenty and one years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Jehovah according to all, that Jehoiakim had done, for through the anger of Jehovah it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah until he had cast them out from his presence that Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. 
and and that would be the conclusion of that 23-year inclusive period and the end of the line of the kings of Judah. The line of the kings of Israel had already been destroyed about a 100 years earlier, and and so this would be the last king before the Lord Jesus Christ would be born the king of the Jews and enter into the world. Uh, well, uh, and, and of course, Christ would not be of this line. He um, was not of the line that was was cut off. All right, uh, let's just look at one thing before we consider the statement in Daniel one one. There was the third year of Jehoiakim, and that is this this third king after Josiah, um, Jeconiah, also known as Jehoiachin and Coniah. We just read in Second um, Kings twenty four eight. Jehoiachin was eighteen years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. Well, when we compare that to Second Chronicles, we seem to to have a problem. It says in Second Chronicles thirty six, in verse eight. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and his abominations which he did and that which was found in him, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his stead. Jehoiachin was eight years old when he began to reign and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Jehovah. So here, the age of Jehoiachin is said to be eight years old. And in Second Kings 24.8, uh, he was said to be 18 years old when he began to reign. And then he reigned three months, although we're given um, more information in Chronicles that it was actually three months and ten days that he reigned. Well, how are we to understand this? And the way we understand it is that Jehoiachin, the son of Jehoiakim, the king that is mentioned in the book of Daniel, that he reigned in a co-regency with his father right from the very beginning, or for Jehoiachin, beginning in 608 B.C., when he was eight years old, his father, Jehoiakim, made him co-regent. They they were kings together, and we can see why. It was a very volatile time. Um, the the Egyptians had authority over them, and, and, and so Jehoiakim wanted to make sure that his son would be ruler if anything happened to him. And so at eight years old, of course, Jehoiakim had full control and and he was the ruling king. But for um, his own peace of mind, he made his son co-regent and they continued that way for 10 years until Jehoiachin was 18 years old and in in that year, Jehoiakim was no longer king, 
And Jehoiachin began to reign for three months and ten days before he was taken away captive. And then we can see how everything fits. But notice how God writes it. It's just, it's amazing how God is so willing to give the appearance of error in his perfect book, the Bible. I mean, we can't think of it any other way. God is intentionally, intentionally writing it this way to give the appearance of error so that if anyone has a doubt in their mind concerning the trustworthiness, the holiness, the perfect nature of the Word of God, very well, here here you can think there's a mistake. And theologians have said very quickly, oh, it was a scribal error, because uh, 8 and 18, well, they're very... Very similar, aren't they? Just, just the, um, mistake of adding the one and, and all of a sudden an eight becomes eighteen. And of course, that's if you're writing, uh, numerals, but these are words. It, it, you can't make that kind of a mistake when you're writing words. They're, they're very definitely words and there is no mistake. He did begin to reign when he was eight years old with his father, but it wasn't until his father left the throne that he began to reign by himself. And and therefore, both statements are true and faithful. He began to reign when he was eight, but in a, a more specific way, in a way where he reigned by himself, he began to reign when he was 18. For three months and ten days. Again, I'll read Second Chronicles thirty-six nine. Jehoiachin was eight years old when he began to reign in six hundred eight B.C. God doesn't add that bit of information, and in the very same sentence, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem. Ten years later, uh, after that co-regency. And, and the Lord combines the two ideas, the, the two facts into one verse. And so be it if you don't trust the Bible. Very well. Here, take this verse and you can doubt all you want. Go your way. You were never one of God's elect is basically what God is saying. God gives his people the utmost faith and trust in the word of God. They do not doubt a jot or a tittle because God says, and we can see his care. We're going to look at something else where we see just how wonderfully careful God is with his word. The Lord said in Psalm 12, in verses 6 and 7, The words of Jehovah are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Jehovah, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God 
keeps his word, preserves his word. No error has crept in. It's not possible for a scribe to make an error in the original Greek or Hebrew. God would not permit it. And, and you know, we wonder, uh, since those scribes were, were so zealous and and uh, there was such a long extended period of time we're, we're talking about many many centuries where the word of god the bible was written down and then copied and recopied and copied again and so many 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 scribes touched the bible in that sense and and had it right before them why did they not correct these things why did they not make correction and oh it it said eight years over here and 18 years over there certainly it was noticed and yet it was not altered or changed because they dare not do it god would not permit them to do it There, there were many errors and faults of israel of old and and yet they were never able to change the word of God on any point, on any letter or word in any way because God preserved it. He prevented that in, in the days of Israel and in the days of the church as so many so uh, casually charge that, oh, the church changed the Bible. The, the Catholic Church altered it. No, they did not. God said he would keep his word and preserve it from this generation, and that's the generation of evil, forever. That's the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that's the eons uh, that will transpire in eternity future. It will not be changed forever. It cannot be changed. The Bible is perfectly trustworthy and faithful in everything we read. And and so as we're going to read some things that that give the appearance of contradictions, we can know assuredly, we can know definitely without any question there are no actual contradictions. This is going to come into play or into view when we look more closely at the third year of Jehoiakim in order to get the proper date for the book of Daniel. Uh, but before we do that, we, uh, we're going to go to a couple of verses, uh, also in Second Kings, and we're going to see a statement made about uh, a king when he begins to reign in two different chapters following each other. It'll be in one chapter, and then in the next chapter, there will be a difference made in the statement that you would think it was a super careless scribe. I mean, it's so obviously wrong that that any anyone, if you were a scribe on the first day of the job, uh, or in your first day of of working as a scribe, you it, it would be hard for you to make that kind of a mistake. And 
also, it's so obviously different that certainly scribes would have been tempted to make correction, um, again, down through history, yet never did, because God would not let them make a correction, because there's no correction to be made. Let's go to Second Kings chapter 8. And it says in verse 25, In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, did Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, begin to reign. Okay, we we got that. It was the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, so that's Israel in the north, did Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, begin his reign in the twelfth year of Joram. Now, if we go to Second Kings chapter 9, it says in verse 29, And in the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab began Ahaziah to reign over Judah. Well, hold on, hold on, anyone... Who, who's reading this? Uh, I mean, it wasn't uh, that many words ago. It was in the previous chapter, near the end of the previous chapter, Second uh, Kings 8, verse 25, and there's, there's only 29 verses in chapter 8, that we were told it was the twelfth year of Joram that Ahaziah, king of Judah, began to reign. And then we go into chapter 9, and in the 29th verse, it says, In the 11th year of Joram, the son of Ahab, began Ahaziah to reign over Judah. You know, we're not reading the newspaper. Sometimes you you read an article in the newspaper, and you, you read a paragraph at the top of a an account you're reading, and and you recall something, and then further on in the story... It's contradicted. And you say, hold it, you said this up here. Well, that's exactly how it would be with with these two statements. They're obviously different. And anyone reading consecutively, uh, as the, the people of God have done for thousands of years, would see and notice the difference. How could it be that Ahaziah began to reign in Joram's 11th year, and Ahaziah began to reign in Joram's 12th year. They're, they're clearly um, different years, 11th and 12th. Or are they different years? Are they different years? It, that's not possible. It has to be because we know the child of God knows, the elect people of God know, the Bible has no mistakes. And therefore, both statements are true. That's always the way we approach the Bible with seeming contradictions. God said it was the 11th year of Joram. Okay, that's true. God said it was the 12th year of Joram. All right, that's true. Therefore, Ahaziah began to reign in a year that was the the 11th and 
the twelfth year of Joram. Both are true. Both are correct. And once we understand that, we realize that there is a special system. And actually, historians have recognized that kings reign according to two different ways of keeping track of their reign or the length of time that they reign. And it's according to an accession year system or a non-accession year system. And an accession year system would be that your your year one is not counted until you go one full year. And a non-accession year system would be your first year is the year you begin to reign. Now, let me just give an example of that with birthdays. Um, let, let's say someone's birthday is November 22nd in 2015. Uh, someone's born today. Okay, now the way we keep track of time concerning how, if, you know, when someone asks, how old are you? Well, that's a newborn. We don't say that's a one-year-old baby, but it is alive in the year 2015. And then, uh, in November 22nd, 2016, that's one year. So that's the first year birthday. That's when that baby is one year old. And yet, it's its second year because it was alive in 2015 and 2016. It, it's been alive in two different calendar years. And that's basically how uh, the two different ways of looking at this. The extension year system would be you wait until your birthday. November 22nd you're born. All right, you have to wait until the next year. That's year one. That's the extension year system. The non-extension year system is you're born November 22nd, 2015. That's year one. And when you get to your birthday, uh, November 22nd, 2016, that's year two. Because it's your second calendar year. And, and that's exactly how kings... Um, could be, um, considered to reign on, on either one of those type systems, either extension year or non-extension year. And with Joram, the 11th year of Joram and the 12th year of Joram, uh, we, we have both systems in view. Historically, Joram began to reign in 853 B.C. His first full year would have been 852 B.C., counting by the extension year system. And Joram's 11th year would have been 842 B.C., um, again, by the extension year system, when Ahaziah began to reign. But, According to the non-extension year system, Joram began to reign in 853 B.C., and that was year one. Joram's twelfth year would have been 842, and that was when Ahaziah began to reign. So we see it, it was the year 842 that was 
the 11th year by the extension year system, and 842 was the 12th year by the non-extension year system. But uh, both dates are focused in on the same year. 842 is the year that was in view. Well, all right, let's go back to Daniel again and read verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Here we read it was the third year of Jehoiakim, and then came Nebuchadnezzar. But if we compare this to Jeremiah, chapter 25, and verse 1, it says, The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Now, now we have a problem because um, Daniel one one says it was the third year of Jehoiakim when Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem. But according to Jeremiah twenty five verse one, Nebuchadnezzar's first year was the fourth year of Jehoiakim. And, uh, well, you, you can see, again, the obvious difference. And God wrote the Bible this way. God could, and he did, give numerous verses that are seemingly in error. They're just mistaken, a year off, and yet the fact is that no, they're, they're both correct. Both statements are correct. The um, mistake is with the reader not being careful enough, not understanding the, the way that the king's lengths of reign could be counted and considered. And, and so we know that the third year of Jehoiakim is the same as the fourth year of Jehoiakim and that would be Nebuchadnezzar's first year, the first year that he began to reign. Now, really, this just proves the extension and non-extension year system, because since it would not have been possible for these things to have happened in Jehoiakim's third year, since Nebuchadnezzar began to reign in his fourth year, unless you're keeping two different um, ways of, of tracking time. That's the only way both statements can be true and correct. And it actually shows forth, it proves that, that uh, the extension and non-extension year system was definitely in use with the kings of, of that era. But this does bring up another problem, and and that is that, um, according to Mr. Camping's writings, Jehoiakim began to reign in 609 B.C. That was the year Josiah died. That was the year that um, Jehoahaz, uh, the son of Josiah, reigned for three months. 
And that was the year that Jehoiakim began to reign um, in, in 609 B.C. But if you do a graph and, and you write out uh, 609, 608, 607, 606, 605, you, you find that uh, Jehoiakim's third full year, according to the accession year system, would be 606 B.C. 608 would be his first full year, 607 his second, 606 his third. And according to the non-accession year system, uh, it, it it would also be 606 BC, 609, 608, 607, 606. And so what's the problem? Well, um, in uh, Mr. Camping's writings, uh, he had Nebuchadnezzar's first year as 605 BC, and it does not it does not match um, the third year or fourth year of Jehoiakim. There, there seems to be a mistake of some kind. Now, we have a way of proving or of locking in Nebuchadnezzar's first year. And it's also here in Jeremiah 25. Uh, if we go on to read in verses 2 and 3 of Jeremiah chapter 25, the which Jeremiah the prophet spake unto all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even unto this day, that is, the three and twentieth year, the word of Jehovah hath come unto me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye have not hearkened. Now, Remember, verse 1 said the word that came to Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, when he um, came to Jerusalem. Yet, verse 3 says uh, that Jeremiah began to prophesy in the thirteenth year of Josiah, even unto this day, which would be the fourth year of Jehoiakim. It, and and then it said that is the three and twentieth year. Now I've read this before, and I've seen well from the thirteenth year to the twenty third year that that's a ten year span. But that's not the proper way of reading it. When when Jeremiah says that he began to prophesy in the thirteenth year of Josiah, that means. It would, according to the extension year system, the kings of Judah kept um, track of their reigns according to the extension year system. It would be the year 627 B.C. But then when it says, even unto this day, that is the 3 and 20th year, it's not of Josiah's reign, but it's from 627 the 13th year of Josiah, and then 23 years from that point, Jeremiah began to prophesy. In other words, it's the 23rd year of Jeremiah's prophesying since 627 B.C. And so if you 
count 627 as year one, and, and anybody can do this. Just get a piece of paper, write 627, 626, all the way down for 23 years. It falls on 605 B.C. as the fourth year of Jehoiakim, and that would be the first year of King Nebuchadnezzar. So Mr. Camping was correct that Nebuchadnezzar began to reign in 605 B.C. And and other theologians and archaeologists also date Nebuchadnezzar's reign from 605 B.C. That That's the uh, acceptable date for him. And so happens that's the biblical date because from Jeremiah's statement, we have locked it in based on the period that he began to prophesy, and then it comes down to 605 B.C., which is the fourth year of Jehoiakim, and also the third year of Jehoiakim. And that would seem to mean that Jehoiakim had to begin reigning in 608 B.C. Now, this is something I, I hope to spend a little bit more time looking at, but I don't see how it, it's not possible for Nebuchadnezzar, uh, if the date for Jehoiakim is 609 B.C., it's not possible for Nebuchadnezzar to begin ruling in 605. That That's definite according to the third year and fourth year statements of Jehoiakim's reign. It would have to be 606. But when we check that against Jeremiah's statement, it does point to Nebuchadnezzar reigning in 605, which would bring Jehoiakim down one year. If Jehoiakim began reigning in 608 B.C., according to the extension year system, 607 would be year 1, 606 year 2, 605 year 3, which matches Daniel 1.1. 1, 1. And according to the non-extension year system, 608 is year 1, 6072, 6063, and 605 year 4, which matches Jeremiah 25 verse 1 statement. So that would bring harmony into everything else. But of course, now we have to see, does, does that is that permitted by other scriptures? Does that fit with other chronology references to the kings? And, and that's what I want to check out further. Well, this is just our opening. This is the beginning of our study into the book of Daniel. And we can see just in, in how God has hidden seemingly uh, information that, that really seemingly is not uh super significant that 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 God hides truth and it's why the the people of God have to ask God we we must ask God for understanding we have to go to him humbly acknowledging we don't know anything we cannot know anything we'll never figure it out unless God shows us, unless he causes us to understand. 
as the Lord said to Gabriel, make this man to understand. That's our only hope in going to the Bible and understanding truth, and especially the truth concerning the time of the end. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.